If you're just joining us today, don't have a Bible with you, you can grab a Bible in the pew back in front of you. You can turn to page 810. If you don't own a Bible, that Bible is a gift. You can have it here at the chapel. We love to read God's word, study it, and live it out. Matthew chapter five, verses 27 to 30. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that of your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your, your members than that your whole body go into hell. This morning we're talking about lust and adultery. And this, this is often a difficult topic, right? Um, because the truth is all of us struggle, right, with this. If, you, if you're looking at the progression of what Jesus is teaching here in this passage, he's going through a progression, right? Like he's putting us all on an equal playing field. He, he talks about anger. We all struggle with anger. He, he's gonna talk now to us about lust and adultery. We, we all struggle with that. Then we see the progression of where sin leads. He's gonna talk about divorce and oaths and retaliation. And, and what he's gonna draw our attention to is, right, the, the character what's in our heart. He's going to show us in this passage, right, that, that it's, it's not just about following the rules. It's not just about following the law because if you think about it in the Old Testament, they followed the law, the letter of the law, right? They, they believed if they didn't commit adultery, meaning they didn't commit a sexual act with someone who wasn't their spouse, they followed the law, they, they completed it. And here Jesus is saying is no, it's, it's actually, it's deeper than that. What Jesus is calling them is, is to a deeper obedience, right? It's not just checking off the box and saying, I didn't commit adultery. What Jesus is saying here in this passage is, is what lies in your heart is sinful. And if you've committed the sin in your heart, if you committed the sin in your mind, it's as if you've done it. And Jesus, in this passage, is going to show us, right? He's going to show us that it is important that we deal with the sin in our heart. It's important that we deal with the sin in, in what stirs our affections, what stirs our feelings, what leads us to, to our thoughts. And, and if you're here this morning, you're thinking, oh, Jesus is talking about men because this is a man's struggle and he mentions men. No, he's talking to all of us because let's get it out in the air, right? Like all of us struggle with lust, right? Don't play with me. You say yes, right? Come on, y'all acting. We all struggle with lust, right? 
y'all playing and it's because of the, you're saying, oh, it's because of time. No, we all struggle with it, right? Let's, let, we're not here to portray some, some like, some perfectional Christianism, right? Like we're not here, we all struggle with it. I don't care if you're a man, woman, single, divorced, widow, widower, engaged, newly married, we all struggle with it all the time. This is not just a man's struggle, this is a human struggle, all of us. And it's even harder to struggle with it now, I think, in my opinion. If you look at our culture, it's overly sexualized. You can't even look, watch a commercial without thinking to yourself, oh my gosh, did I just sin before the Lord? Right? I mean, it's a commercial about body wash. And you're like, what are we watching? Shouldn't they put the sign up there on the corner that says, like, PG rated R? Because, like, you look at it, right? The TV, you, can't, you can't watch a TV show on Netflix that is not overly sexualized in some form or fashion. Like, I love, I love um, what do they call it? Like, uh, I like medieval TV shows and stuff like that. I love, like, I don't know, dragons and horses and all that stuff and whatever. Dungeons and Dragons, whatever, I don't know. The only reason why I say that because I saw a commercial, right? Like, I love, like, just pure fighting, manly fighting, like, let's kill each other and win the war. You know what I mean? Um, but you watch it, and it's like, there's a sex scene, and you're like, oh, where did that come from? I mean... This is, a, this is a TV show about war, right? The, we all struggle with this. So the temptation here this morning is to say, oh, I, I don't struggle with this. The temptation too is to look at our spouse and say, no, he or she struggles with this. No, no, we all struggle with this. Let's get that straight. Not one of us. So don't email me. Don't text me. Oh, hey, I don't really struggle with this. I haven't struggled with it in a long Lies. You struggle with it all the time. You do, right? We struggle with all of this stuff. You mean to tell me last week we were talking about anger and you don't struggle with anger? Yeah, that's cap. You struggle with anger. For those of you who don't know what cap is, on the count of three, say it with me. One, two, three, cap. All right, that was bad. I, I, don't lead, I didn't lead you really well. Um, Cap means uh, it's not real, it's a lie, right? So um, that's a lingo that I picked up from the high schoolers. So if, if your children like lie to you or say something that's not true, the only thing you have to say to them is cap. <laughs> or you say that's cap and they will know what that means. If you're a parent of a middle schooler or high schooler or even college student, please do that in front of their friends. They will appreciate it, I promise you. <laughs> They will act like they don't, but on the inside, they love it. We all, I'm trying to lighten up the, the mood in the room. Um, we're tired and I got another 35 minutes. Um, we, we all struggle with this. Um, we, we all struggle with feelings and thoughts and actions, right? So I think that's the first thing we just gotta put out in the open and, and realize that that's something that we're gonna deal with. And unfortunately, that's something we're always going to deal with. Like, it, it doesn't end. Now, here, here when, it do, when it does end, it's when Jesus comes back. When he restores the new heavens and the new earth, and Jesus says, I, I have fully glorified you in my son Jesus, and, and you're not going to struggle with that. But, but until he comes, 
This is going to be a daily battle. Why is it going to be a daily battle that we're struggling with? It's because Jesus is not addressing the action. Jesus is not addressing like adultery in of itself or the lustful thought. What is Jesus addressing in this passage? Jesus is addressing the heart. It's a heart issue, right? Like it's, it's something that is part of us and, and our theology here, right, from scripture is that sin has permeated every part of us, right? Like sin has permeated our thought patterns. Sin has permeated every action. Sin has permeated every feeling. And because we are sinful, that is our nature, we are going to sin. What does Jeremiah say? Jeremiah says about the heart. What does he say about the heart? He said, the heart is what? Deceitful and what? Yes. It's deceitful. It's wicked. It's sick. Right? So, so when you're reading this passage, or you're, we're, we're going to go through this, like, I, I, want you, I want you to remember, right, that, that this is a heart issue that we all have to deal with at some level. And Jesus wants to address our heart. Jesus wants us to have a deeper obedience or understanding because here's what they thought in the Old Testament and this is what they, what they think now in the New Testament, right? They, they thought that if they just did not commit adultery, then they obeyed the law and they followed the law. They thought that if they didn't, if they were married, right? If, if they were married and, and didn't have sexual interaction with someone who was not their spouse, then they have fulfilled the law. And Jesus is saying, no. In fact, what Jesus is saying, it's actually worse and harder. What Jesus is saying is, it's like if you even look at someone lustfully, you've committed adultery. And that's an indictment, right? Because we all have the toss-up. We all struggle with that. So what do we do? How are we supposed to respond to this passage when Jesus says, hey, if you looked at someone with lustful intentions, you've committed the act already. Here's what Jesus is not saying. Jesus is not saying in this passage, right, that if you look at someone and find them attractive, that that's a sin. That's a misinterpretation of what Jesus is saying. Because I think in many relationships, this is in my observation for you married couples, this is me looking on the outside, that oftentimes the judgment and the indictment is, right, that, that my spouse looked at something or someone and, and that was the sin. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is not saying that the natural attraction that we have between men and women, that, that attraction that we see, like when we see a beautiful woman or we see a beautiful man, right, and we say, wow, that's a beautiful person, that is not a sin, right? We gotta, we gotta take that out of our Christian culture. God designed us to find each other attractive, amen? It is a wonderful gift from the Lord to look at your spouse and say, 
man, you are a smoke show. <laughs> Guys, I'm helping you out. I'm trying. Put that arm around her shoulder right now. Give her the nice little I love you, sweetheart. Right? It, it's a beautiful gift. In fact, if you are married, single, divorced, whatever you find yourself, to find someone else who's not your spouse, attractive, is not in and of that self, it's not a sin. To see someone and say, wow, that person is beautiful because they're made in the image of God. That is something good and right from the Lord. That's a gift. In our Christian culture, we have oftentimes said, right, that to look at, that's what we ta they taught me in, in high school, right? Like, like, to look at someone, to even find them attractive is like a sin because it's going to lead you to sinful thoughts and actions. No, that, that's not the case. That's looking at the law and saying that, that I can't find someone attractive because if I find someone attractive, that's a sin because that's going to lead me to more sin. No, that's not what Jesus is saying here. Look what Jesus is saying. Look at verse 28. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with what? Lustful intent. Highlight that word. What, what is lustful intent? Here, here's a dictionary definition of just lust. It's an intense or unrestrained sexual craving or an overwhelming desire. What, what is Jesus saying in this passage? Jesus' intention of talking about lust isn't to prohibit natural attraction. Was Jesus' intention here is to rebuke individuals, all of us, men and women, and I'm quoting someone here that I love what, what they said, so I'm not even going to try to mess it up. Jesus' intention is to rebuke individuals who fuel their sinful desire with the people they look at. Right? So it's, it's looking at someone, taking in those images, right, and then fueling that sinful desire. What, what are you going to do with those images? And, and, and typically it's when, when we're feeling sinful desires, we're, we're taking those, those images and then what we're doing is we're, we're, we're imagining what it could be like if we were with that person or what would life look like, right, if you married that person or if, if, that, if your spouse looked like that or, right, like the, it's, it's to fuel whatever is in your heart. That's what Jesus is saying. Lustful intent. What's fueling your desire? What, what are those images that you're taking in? You know, the interesting part about this is that Jesus has, I mean, the, God has always, 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 always communicated even in the Old Testament his design for men and women and how we ought to look at each other right? Like God's design for us is to see every human being bearing the image of God, meaning, meaning the person that we see and view has value, worth, and dignity, who was made in the likeness of God. 
And we ought to view them in a way that God views them. But what sin does is that sin says, no, I'm not going to view them the way God views them. I'm going to view them in the way my sinful heart desires to view them. And that is what Jesus is saying is a sin. What he's saying is that just because you haven't committed adultery, that doesn't mean that you haven't committed adultery in your heart. Because, because in those days, right, especially in the Old Testament and the religious leaders, they had a different interpretation. They had a different understanding of the rules. They thought if they just checked off the box and didn't actually commit the sin, that they weren't in sin. And Jesus is clearly saying, if you thought about it. And that, put, that puts us in a pickle, right? Because if you notice what Jesus is saying, right, he's saying, if you looked at someone with lustful intent, that's a key phrase, lustful intent, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And then he goes on to say in verse 29, if you look at it, if your eye, right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. So there's like an indictment, right? He's like, hey, you thought you were cool when you didn't commit adultery, but hey, guess what? You committed a lustful thought. And that's just as bad and there is judgment. God will judge that. So what do we do with that, right? Like, what, what is Jesus saying? What, what does that mean for us? Because if, if we all struggle with that, and that is going to be something that we struggle with on a regular basis, um, what, what do we do with that passage, right? Like, are, are we now destined to hell, those who are in Christ Jesus? No, that's not what Jesus is saying. Remember the heart of what Jesus' um, message is. The heart of it is that the citizens of the kingdom, the citizens of his kingdom bear fruit. And, and one of the ways that they bear fruit is that they flee, they run away from the things that try to entice them to sin. Right? The, the things that you struggle with Though you struggle with it, are not patterns of your character or your life. They're, they're moments in which you fall into temptation and sin, but, but they don't characterize who you are. Because the, the, the frustrating part for Christians is that when we often find ourselves in that place where we, when we, when we sin, we tend to be self-deprecating and say, man, like, I... I'm not supposed to be struggling with this because Jesus says I shouldn't be. Or, or there's some judgment or like I'm a Christian, I'm not supposed to be doing this. And the truth is, yeah, that at some level we're not supposed to be doing this. But the also the other reality is that, that just because we're in Christ Jesus doesn't mean that sin just radically disappears. Right there. There are entire denominations that 
that, that say that, right? They, they say, hey, listen, you know, like you can be perfect. Once you're a Christian, you're perfect and you can never sin. And then they place this new law on, uh, on people, right? This new burden, right? That you can never commit another sin. And then when you finally realize you've committed the sin, then you're often self-deprecating and you're overwhelmed by the power of the sin is because you feel like as though you, you did something wrong and, and though you committed to sin, we have to remember that, that sin is a part of who we are for right now. So, so if you're in this room and you're thinking, man, like, I'm struggling with this. It's going to be a struggle. And the only way, the only way that you, you win the battle is by realizing that the battle can't be won by your own efforts and your own abilities. Like the battle can only be won by the person who is capable of willing, winning the battle. You know, high schoolers often have told me in the past, I haven't talked to them much lately. They're not, kinda, they're not talking to me for whatever reason. Um, one of the things I love about high schoolers, in their heart's desire to, to get clarity, they, they've always asked me, and I'm sure they still ask the question, like, how, how far is too far? Right? Because it's so, it's so easy for us. It's so easy for us to kind of like check off the list, right? Like let's make a list of all the things that we shouldn't do and then walk around and like, all right, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. And then our natural, well, but what we are really saying is like, show me where the line is. Show me where, where the boundary is and I'm gonna get real close Right? I'm going to get as close as I can. I, I promise I won't cross over it. But tell me what this gray area is about, right? <laughs> That's the temptation that we have. Right? The temptation is like, all right, like, what can and can I do? And that's not what Jesus is addressing. What Jesus is addressing, it's what's in our heart. What's in your heart? What's in your motives? And then to make matters worse, Jesus says, hey, by the way, if your right eye causes you to sin, why don't you pull that bad boy out? <laughs> okay. But I still have my left eye. Does the left eye not cause me to sin? Any lefties in the room? You're like, I'm a lefty, so I'm like, yeah, go ahead, take the right one. <laughs> Got him. I'm good. Like, I'm a lefty, so you could take this. Or then he said, no, no, take the right leg. I'm like, all right, go ahead, I'm good. Right? Like, doesn't the left leg cause you to sin? No. So, so is Jesus calling us like, all right, hey, you ought to take this section of this passage literal? Is he saying, yeah, like, if, if your eye is causing you to sin, Pluck it out right now. We have a new ministry at the chapel. Pluck it out. When you, when you want to, when you're feeling the, the temptation of sinning, Pastor Todd, Dan Cooper, get a couple of pliers and they'll pull that bad boy out. We got a couple of doctors in the room. They'll take care of it, 
right? New ministry at the chapel. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying to take it literal. In fact, there was someone who took it literal. Um, there was a church father in history who took it literal. It was Origen, and he took it literal. And they had to say to him, like, hey, brother, uh, that's not what Jesus meant. We're not here to castrate ourselves. Because that doesn't change anything, right? Because if you think about it, he, you could pluck out the right eye, but you still got the left one, so that one could cause you to sin. Right? So, so what, is, what is Jesus trying to communicate in this passage? Jesus is using a type of, of, of hyperbole, right? He, he's using a Hebrew idiom. He's, using, uh, he's being dramatic, believe it or not, right? He... He's using exaggeration to communicate a biblical truth. And what is Jesus trying to communicate? What, what Jesus is trying to say is, do whatever it takes to flee from the lustful intent of your heart. Don't try to get as close to the sin but try to get as far away from the sin, right? Like I think of the story of Joseph, Potiphar's wife, sees, the Bible says this, this is one of my favorite verses, not because I identify as Joseph, but because I think it's cool that the Bible says he was hot. The Bible said that he was like, not only good looking in the face, but good looking in form. Meaning, in my opinion, he probably had a six-pack worked out and ate really healthy food. So, but what did Joseph do? He runs. He flees. Like, I want to be Joseph because I'm not. None of us are, right? Like, what Jesus is saying in this passage, what, what are the things that in, are in your life that, that you know that can lure you into temptation? One of the things I tell young people all the time, right, that if social media and the phone, and the phone is going to, to be a temptation for you to sin, then, then, then get rid of it. It's better not to have it. Not because it's going to keep you from sinning, but what it's going to do is going to help create healthy boundaries for you, right? If there was an alcoholic in our church and he came to me and said, hey, listen, I'm an alcoholic. I struggle with drinking. I need a job. I found this job at a bar doing the dishes. You know what I would say? Hey, brother, um, that's probably not a good idea, right? Like, you don't tell the alcoholic, hey, the best place for you to be is at the bar. No, no. Why? Because you know in his heart that's where he's going to struggle. The same thing for us, right? What are the things in our life that, that we are actively involved in that, that would lead us into temptation? Nowadays, it's the phone. It's social media. And can I be hard on you parents for just one minute on it? You guys want your kids to be godly and holy, and yet you do everything in your power to do the opposite. You want them to be godly and holy, and yet you give them tools in which they have no ability to manage. You can't even manage it yourself. You can't even, you can't even keep yourself from being on Facebook all the time. And you're gonna trust kids with a phone 
and you know that thing is causing them to sin or you know that thing is leading them into a path of sin and you're praying to the Lord, Lord, help my kid. It's like, take the phone away. Like, what are you doing? Right? Like, if you're in a relationship with your spouse or whoever it is and you know that there's a sinful pattern that can that can uh, come up because they're tempted in a certain way, why would you allow them to operate in those places? Now remember, like I said, it's not just because you take the phone away, the laptop away, just be, I mean, you can live in a bubble. That doesn't mean that you're gonna stop sinning. But what Jesus is saying here is, what are you willing to do? What are you willing to sacrifice to be more like Jesus? And if the very thing that you have, the thing that you struggle with is impeding you to be like Jesus, then why are you not willing to give it up? Because here's the truth. God takes sin seriously. Look at me. God takes sin seriously. You know how we know that? Because it cost him something. Right? Like if, if God says, hey, listen, I'm going to pour out my wrath on my son who is perfect and blameless in every way so that you can be freed, that you can be liberated from the bondage of your sin, why won't you take it as seriously as I do? Because we convince ourselves we need all these things. And Jesus is saying, hey, run. Run from your sin. So what are you willing to sacrifice to pursue godliness and true righteousness? We have to evaluate the things in our lives. We have to evaluate the, the things in our mind, in our hearts that fuel our sinful desires. Now listen, you might be in this room and say, yeah, I struggle with lust. I'm sure there's people in this room who can testify that, yeah, I've committed adultery in my marriage. Not just with lust, but I literally fractured my marriage because I cheated on my spouse. You read this passage and you think to yourself, man, I'm wretched and I'm this worst person on the planet. Here's what you need to hear is that Jesus accomplishes this in our lives. Like Jesus is the one that's forgiving and gracious and kind towards us when we weren't gracious and kind to him or to others or to ourselves. We have to remember, right, that the battle is gonna continue to, to, be, to be fought but the way that we're saved from this temptation is ultimately in Jesus. The way that you and I are rescued out of our sinful depravity and our sinful desires is knowing that Jesus is the one that transforms us and that no matter how many lists we put together to keep us from sinning, it is Jesus who transforms our heart and Jesus will transform our hearts completely one day. 
So the encouragement this morning is keep fighting. If you found yourself in sin, I've said this before, I don't know where I've heard it before, but it's stuck with me for many years. The true mark of a faithful Christian isn't how often someone doesn't sin, right? Like, you're not a good or you're not a perfect Christian if you find yourself, like, opportunities. I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to sin. The true mark of a faithful Christian is that when they do sin, when they find themselves in a sinful place, they run back to Jesus to find forgiveness, reconciliation, restoration in him. Not in the law, but in him. So if you find yourself in sin, run back to him. Let him rescue out of the thing that you can rescue yourself. Because some of us don't even know how we got there. Let's pray. James 1.14 talks about how we are often enticed and lured by our own desires when sin arise in our hearts. I want you to take a moment. What, what's the sin in your heart? And maybe it's more than lust and an adultery. Maybe it's like anger, frustration, bitterness, resentment, discontentment greed, selfishness, pride. Like if, if the moral of the story is that Jesus wants to radically change our hearts more than our behavior, what's the thing in your heart that you have yet to yield to the Lord that you're not willing to give up because in some form or fashion it has given you purpose and meaning and value? Jesus is saying, give it up so that you can be like me, so that I can be, I can be completely in you. What's the thing that's holding you back? Is it the fractured marriage? Surrender it to the Lord. Like, we're only living a short time, and you're going to carry that weight for the rest of your life, allowing those feelings and thoughts to rule and guide and dominate your life. ask the Lord for forgiveness because he has already forgiven you. And push back the thoughts that would try to convince you that you ought to ought to be self-deprecating or live a guilty life because you've committed sin. Like God, we are reminded that we We live under grace. We live in a kingdom where the king is far more gracious, far more forgiving and loving and kind to his children. God, help us to remember that 
You have forgiven our past, you have forgiven our present, and you will forgive the sins in our future, and that one day you would make us complete in you and your son Jesus. God, help us to pursue faithfulness and not perfection. Help us to pursue faithfulness and godliness, not perfection. Help us to pursue faithfulness and holiness, not perfection. Show us, Lord, the places in our hearts and our minds so that we can be more like you and less like ourselves. We pray this in Christ's name and the people of God say, This has been a message from the chapel. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about the chapel or any of our campuses, including Akron, Green, Wadsworth, Kenmore, Cuyahoga Falls, Nordonia, and Medina, please go to our website at thechapel.life.